You may have heard of this individual before. His name is Ma Yun. Ma Yun was born in Hangzhou, Zhejiang, China. And, and Ma Yun, uh, as he was growing up, he would uh, routinely travel to the, uh, the, uh, the Hangzhou uh, International Hotel where he would hang out with tourists in order to learn English. In fact, he would ride his bike some 27 miles each time in order to go and give tours uh, to the uh, tourists that were in town in order that he might learn English. When it came time for him to uh, take the exams to get into college, he failed it twice. Finally, on the third, he made his way into Hangzhou Teachers College, when he graduated, he applied to 31 different odd jobs, and he was rejected 31 times. When KFC came to his community, he applied along with 23 others. So 24 people applied for 23 positions, and Ma Yun didn't get the job. Would you bet on such a man? Would you have confidence, knowing his history, would you have confidence in him to succeed? Well, it turns out that Ma Yun, who would later become known as Jack Ma, ended up as the chairman of Alibaba, a company that he co-founded in his apartment, this multinational e-commerce company. At its IPO on the New York Stock Exchange, it brought in $25 billion dollars which at the time was the largest IPO in U.S. financial history. Well, what about you and me? Who would place their bet on us, knowing what is true about us? Who would place their bet? Now, we happen to be in a church, and we happen to be listening to a sermon, so you're probably already jumping ahead. Well, God, of course. Um, so... And you're not wrong, okay? But hold on, because uh, we're going to get somewhere. We're going to have a number of twists and turns along the way, and there will be a little bit of a catch at the end. Uh, so with that in mind, let's uh, move forward into our, our message this morning. And we're talking about departures and arrivals. And we happen to have uh, with us this um, uh, uh, message we'll have today, which is, uh, I am coming to you, or, or I will come to you. In this section of Scripture, from the latter part of chapter 13 all the way through chapter 14, we find Jesus saying, listen, uh, where I'm going, you can't come. I am the way. Uh, I will come to you. There's this movement taking place. They're standing just before the cross, uh, the trial, the suffering, the cross, uh, the resurrection, and, and then Jesus is going to ascend to be with the Father. And, and Jesus wants to prepare uh, his disciples for what happens next. He's been with them for a number of years, and now he's going to uh, be in a whole different position with them, and he wants to prepare them for what is next. We um, have a longer passage before us today, and, and I'm glad we do because it's helpful to see this teaching all together. Um, but I want you to be able to follow along. And so those of you that are at home live streaming, I'm going to encourage you, please have your Bible with you. If you're in this room, we actually printed it off for you this morning and that you could have it right with you. If you want to open up one of the Bibles, you can do that. But we just wanted to make sure everybody had that in front of them. It will be helpful as we move through this morning. Our passage then is John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. 
Let us hear the word of God. Jesus saying, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, that's the person who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love that person and manifest myself to that person. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. May God bless the reading of his word, and may God bless us as we come under his word today. All right, we're going to uh, look at four things. The, the passage really divides out into four different uh, parts, and we're going to look at these four different parts together. The first is the coming of the Spirit. The second is the coming of the Son. The third is the coming of the Father. And then there's this part at the end where Jesus provides uh, additional reassurance. And so let's begin with the coming of the Spirit. John 14, and then verses 15, 16, and 17. Let me just read those again for us. And again, if you have your sheet in front of you, you can follow along. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Maybe it's first helpful to remember to whom it is Jesus is speaking. <laughs> These are not the elite of the culture. These are not, not the ones that have an incredible resume that other people would go, oh, they're going to go far in life. These are fishermen. These are tax collectors. The religious elite of the time would call them sinners. The, these are people who would deny Jesus. These are, are runawayers. Jesus even told them, you know, so you're all going to scatter. Jesus even knew that they were going to scatter. That's who he's saying these words to. It's just Peter and 
his brother Andrew and James and John and it's Philip and Nathaniel and Bartholomew, a couple of Judases, just his followers. And he says these incredible words to them. Here's what he says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. There's three things I want us to quickly take a look at in just this one little line. You know, we may read this from a standpoint of English, and, and we think, well, this, that's a pretty big if. That's a pretty important if, that if you love me. It seems to, uh, to be a lot riding on this. We've mentioned this before, but in the original language, there was a way to do a conditional clause that, that had different meanings to it. If, if you formed the, the if a certain way, and if there was a certain mood in the verb, it would set up a different condition. And this happens to be the, the, the third condition. It's also uh, been referred to as the more probable future. The more probable future. So, if we read it, it with that in mind, if you love me, and you will, if you love me, or, or maybe we could rephrase it, when you love me, we, we know this is going to happen. It's already set up. I know you. I know what's been happening. I know what took place. If you love me, when you love me, it's great news. Jesus believes in them. Actually, better put probably is not so much that Jesus believes in them, but Jesus believes in the power of God, that Jesus believes in the irresistibility of God, that God is the one who opens their heart, who, who provides the door. In fact, Jesus becomes the door for them. They receive the bread of life. They, they engage the resurrection in the life. They know the way, the truth, and the life. They know Jesus. God has provided this. And because God has opened the door, and God being who God is, God is irresistible. Vicki and I are uh, currently in this experience where we are trying to uh, um, ha uh, consume less sugar. Um, so we've stopped buying sweet things at the store. Um, we have found a number of workarounds. Uh, in the evenings, we have started having toast and jelly. <laughs> Because we have jelly. Is there something that takes place in the brain, right? The brain loves the sugar. There's a chemical reaction, and we want that chemical reaction. And it draws us to it. It's like it's irresistible. With God, it's not a chemical reaction. It's simply because of who he is. That God has revealed himself, and God is, is so great and so wonderful, so loving, so majestic, and sovereign, and good, and just, and righteous, and holy, that to experience a relationship with God, when God opens that door, God is irresistible. If you love me, when you love me, I know, when you love me. The second thing we pick up is that love and obedience go together. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love and obedience go together. We, we have uh, heard something like this from James in his letter. He, he wrote that, you know, faith without works is dead. In other words, you can't say, I believe, and then just go about doing whatever you want. That if you believe, if we believe in Jesus Christ, if we believe that there is this one God, the God of the Bible, then that faith flows into obedience. Faith without works is dead. And so here we see in Jesus' words that he's saying, listen, love, 
loving God, having faith in God, so much that faith turns into love, faith goes and is blossomed into love, that love and commandments go together. Keeping commandments go together. Love and obedience are connected. And then the third thing would be that just the statement of commands themselves. What are Jesus' commands? In John's gospel, he commands the two most often command things are, are, are to believe, to have faith, to, to believe in God, to trust God, and then to love. And we've talked about it many times that it really provides the cruciform way of living, to, to believe, to have trust in God, that God opens our hearts, quickens our hearts, and that we can have this relationship with this great God. And then we are called to love that we love God and we are called to love others in the name of God, to believe and to love. In fact, later in the passage, Jesus will switch from the word commands or instructions, and he'll say, uh, the one who keeps my words. And so we can think of all that Jesus had spoken and what Jesus reveals to this world. The one who keeps those. When you love me, when you, lo- when you love me, you do what I've instructed. The next line says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You've probably already seen it. There's such a Trinitarian thing taking place here. One God, three persons. One God, a singular God, three persons. A fellowship of one God. Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. I love that it says another counselor, another comforter. This, this word paraclete, that, that, that this is another encourager. And so if Jesus Jesus being the comforter, the helper, the, the, the advocate, the, the encourager. And God now gives another uh, Jesus. Different, of course, not God in the flesh, but the spirit of truth. As Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That Jesus is the truth, and here's the spirit of truth coming into this world. The two things that we learn from that are the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. There's not a relationship. The relationship that makes it possible to know the Spirit is the one that God affects in our lives. When we love God, when we have faith in God, when we trust God, we've not earned it. God gives it. And in that relationship, then, he gives us his Holy Spirit. But the people who are not in that relationship cannot see or understand or experience the Spirit. And then Jesus says, you know him because he dwells in you, or he'll be among you, or dwells with you and will be in you. And again, here's where our English language, our, the way our syntax works, we, we can't see it in our language because we don't have a plural you. But here it is the plural you. And so it's that the Spirit is among you collectively, and the Spirit is in you collectively. That, that when we're together as the body of Christ, that, that the Spirit is among us, the Spirit is in our body. You know, some people say, you know, I, I don't really need to go to church. I, I can just worship God on my own uh, outside or on the golf course or, or wherever it may be. And there's a calling here, a, a togetherness, that when we're together, 
that the Spirit is among us and the Spirit is in us. A, a plural statement here. Not, not that it, it doesn't mean that the Spirit isn't in each one of us as well. There's other teaching that, that um, supports that. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So the bottom line of this first part of the text, in the coming of the Spirit, we could say it this way. When we love Jesus, when we love Jesus, we apply his teachings and enjoy the company of the Spirit, the, the comforter, the helper, another, one who is another like Jesus. So let's take a look then at the coming of the Son. When we look at these verses, and let's go ahead and read those again, if you have your sheet in front of you, verses 18 through 21. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, that's the person who loves me. And the person who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love that person and manifest myself to that person. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You know, in the culture of the time, an orphan had no position, no real support. In the economy of that culture, in the society that, that, uh, of that time, the, the one who had no parents, who had no uh, family, extended family, was simply lost. And so Jesus is saying, I am not going to leave you lost. I'm not going to leave you unempowered, with no options, with no hope. I'm just not going to leave you that way. He says, yet a little while, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Uh, Dale Bruner in his commentary. So, uh, um, I, I, you guys know, I've mentioned Dale Bruner so many times. Uh, yes, I do love him, okay? And I think he's just an amazing co commentator. He does this little thing when he comments on here, when we start to see Jesus talking about how he's going to show himself to us. He uses the letters RSVP, RSVP. So how, how does Jesus show himself? Jesus shows himself in the resurrection, right? So a little while I'm with you, and then I'm going to be gone, but then I'm going to show myself to you. So he's going to show himself to the disciples in the resurrection, he shows himself to the disciples in the Spirit in, in as much as the Spirit, and we'll find out the Spirit is going to bring to the, 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 the remembrance of the people all that Jesus taught. And so as they experience the Spirit, they're going to experience the Son. Uh, so RSV, that Jesus shows up and visits. Jesus shows up and visits his people. Um, Jesus goes, you know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Uh, Jesus said in, in the Great Commission, goes, and I will be with you always. And so in these experiences of Jesus showing up in these visits, this connection with his people, and then P for parousia. Parousia is a, a Greek word that means the day, the day of Jesus' return. So Jesus shows up, RSVP, in his resurrection, through the Spirit, in his visitation, and in his parousia, the coming day of the Lord. In a little while, the world will see me no more. They won't have eyes for me, but you will. You will see me because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, um, and I in you. And we've talked a lot about this, being in the, Jesus in the Father, the Father in the Son, 
uh, that we get to be in the Father and the Son, and we get to be in Jesus, and, and Jesus and the Father are in us. And this thing, Bruner, again, just a little, he uses the, uses the term locked in. It's a great term that Jesus is locked into the Father. Can you hear the sound effect? You know, like if you've watched enough movies and, and stuff, you've heard it before, you know, like that solid, just locked in. When the lock twists and turns and it just is connected. And that Jesus is locked into the Father. And that we're locked into Jesus. And Jesus is locked into us. And then here we go again. Jesus says it this way. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, that's the person who loves me. Again, love and obedience go together. In our world, we make a big deal of love being a feels. That, that if we tend to feel something, then, then we talk about love. And, and if, we, if the feeling of love goes away, then I guess there isn't as much love. But we associate love with the feels. But here, love is a selfless commitment. The kind of love that love is as love does. Um, I, I tend to like the traditional wedding vows. And I know a lot of people like to write theirs uh, nowadays too, which is awesome. I think there's no problem with that. But sometimes they, I've experienced that when people write them that they have more to do with feels than commitment. But in the traditional, we know that, that when it says those words, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, I'm going to love you, I'm going to cherish you, I'm going to honor you, and this kind of, uh, of other focus, that you're focused on the well-being of the other no matter what comes about. And this is the kind of love that we're talking about here where we focus on God's glory no matter what comes about. Love is as love does. And then Jesus says, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, we can relax at this point just a little bit. We you might be a little concerned of, like, I have to earn God's love by loving him first. Absolutely not. Even in John's gospel, Jesus has already said, listen, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Or if you go to Romans 5, 8, where he says, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves first. We love because God loved first. And so this time, it's Jesus that shows up. He says, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The one who loves me will keep my commandments and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus showing up. When we love, here's the bottom line, when we love Jesus, we apply his teachings. Love is as love does. And Jesus shows himself to us. The third part, the coming of the Father. John 14, 22 through 24. Judas, not Iscariot, said to Jesus, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. It's a good question from Judas. The disciples were so used to just seeing Jesus. They've experienced Jesus, and, and, and he's, he's in human form. They, they don't know a Jesus beyond the one that they could reach out and touch and know as human. 
Jesus, what, what are you going to do? This sounds, this sounds kind of freaky, kind of weird. How are you going to show yourself to us and, and keep hidden from the rest of the world? Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus then divides people into two groups. His answer divides people into two groups. Those who love him and those who don't love him. Here's what he says about those who love him. They obey his teaching. Again, those who love him will obey his teaching, will keep his commands. He says, my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Do you hear how it says that the father's right along with the son, that we will come to that person and make our home with him? The father comes too. In other words, in this passage, in this section of Scripture, we have this Trinitarian trifecta. The, the Spirit shows up. The Son shows up. The Father shows up. In fact, the Father is already present in Jesus' words. Here's how Jesus puts it. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Even the words that Jesus is speaking reveal the Father in the middle of the conversation. These aren't my words. The words that you hear aren't just mine. They are the Father's words. And so then he goes on to talk about those who do not love Jesus. They do not obey his teachings. And they will not be in fellowship with the Father. The bottom line for this then is when we love Jesus, we apply his teachings. The two go hand in hand. To love Jesus, to have faith in Christ, that, that faith that blossoms and is full of love for the loving God, the God that first loves us, works always into obedience. And then his father make, our Father makes his home with us. The Spirit, the Son, and the Father. Now, there are some commentators, it would just be good to note here at this point, there are some commentators that help us too that would say that um, we, we experience the Father and the Son in and through the Spirit. That you have these, um, these uh, members of the tr Trinity that, that as the Son speaks the words of the Father and always does the will of the Father, that the Son reveals the Father. And that the Spirit who is sent by the Father and the Son, that the Spirit reveals and always brings our attention to the Son. And that in the experience of the Spirit that we always experience the Father and the Son because of the Trinity being one. And at the very least, the passage is saying that. At the very least, the passage is saying that in the Spirit, we experience the Son and the Father. That the Spirit keeps revealing to us the words of the Son, and those words of the Son reveal to us the will of the Father. And yet, even in the text, we know that he says, listen, and the Spirit will come and dwell among you, and, and that I will uh, come and manifest myself to you, and, and that the Father and I will come and make our home with you. When we love Jesus, we apply his teachings. And the Spirit, the Son, and the Father come to us. Let's talk about reassurance. This comes in the final part of the, uh, the text. In these words, the, uh, beginning in verse 25, here's what Jesus says. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Here's the reassurance. Jesus says, while I am still with you. I I love this. It's so important for us, too, in our church this year. We're going to be asking, what's next? God, what do you have next for us? What, What is your call on us? Not just a new program, but what is your word to us? And the, and the disciples of Jesus needed to know what was next. And, and so Jesus is saying, listen, in this little bit of time, while I'm still with you, I'm going to prepare you for what's coming next. While I'm still with you. There's going to be a departure. There's going to be a death. But there's no need for despair. No need for despair. And so he gives them these reassurances. There's five of them real quick. In verse 26, he talks about presence. He says that the Spirit is coming and he's going to teach all things and remind us of all that Jesus has taught us. God's presence is going to be with us. We've covered that already. There's going to be the gift of presence always uh, before us. The second thing he says is that there's going to be peace. Peace, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. I'm going to give you my peace, my, my shalom, my wholeness, my, my eternal peace. It's an unshakable peace, a sovereign peace, a God-centered wholeness and well-being. This is what Jesus gives them. And then he also gives them the gift of order. Jesus makes a statement, the Father is greater than I. We've talked about this a week or two ago where Jesus goes, it's the subordination of the Son. We know that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are are co-equal God. They're of the same substance, the same essential nature, that that the Father, Son, and Spirit are the one God, um, the three in one, equally God. And yet, in the fellowship of the Trinity, in the Father, Son, and Spirit, we see this subordination taking place, this willing subordination taking place. The Father sends the Son. The Son doesn't send the Father. The Father sends the Son. And the Father and the Son send the Spirit. And there's this willing subordination. It, It gives us such a wonderful model for, you know, the one who loves me will keep my commands. As Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, loves the Father, Jesus keeps the will, follows the will, follows the commands of the Father. There's order. All things in right order. The fourth one is that we're informed. Jesus says, you know what's going to happen. There's not going to be any surprises. I've told you what's going to happen. And so you're not going to be overwhelmed. And by the way, as followers of Christ in Scripture, We've already been told what's going to happen. In this world, we're going to have tribulation. Things are going to get tough along the way. But in the day that Jesus is going to come back, all things are going to be made new. There'll be no more tears, no more suffering. But right now, we live with the presence of God in our midst as we um, receive the gift of faith and respond with love and obedience. We're already informed. And the final one is that we're safe. We're safe. Jesus says, the prince of this world has no claim on me. The evil one has no claim on Jesus. No matter what we face in life, whether it's a a common everyday struggle, some of our own brokenness, some of our own sin, or even the very work of the evil one, 
we're safe in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ has conquered. And so the bottom line here in this section is simply that Jesus, speaking on behalf of the Father, has thought of everything. He knows what we need. You know, we began with who would bet on you. But in this passage, we discover something even better. Better than God betting on you. It's this, God simply chooses to love you. Apart from anything, any skill, any ability, any color of skin, any nationality, God just chooses to love you. Not because you're all that and more, not because you're on the dean's list, not because you strive harder than everybody else. He just chooses to love and reveal himself. He doesn't just bet on you thinking that, you know what, I think they've got promise. No, God's the one who has promise. God's the one who has the ability and he chooses out of his love, not out of your strength, not out of my strength, he simply chooses to love. And in his love, this is what God does. He sends his son who speaks and uh, does only the will of the Father. He speaks only the words of the Father. He does only the will of the Father. And then Jesus, in his obedience to the Father, he dies on a cross for you and for me. And he's raised from the dead for you and for me. And then along with the Father, he sends the Spirit to live in you, in us. And he makes his home with us. This is love. This is God's love for us. And that our response then is faith. We respond to his love with our faith. We believe in him. And our belief in him turns into love. And we live out of this love, this love for God, the God who is. And love shines forward in obedience. So what do you do with a passage like this? You simply receive it. You receive it. It tells you the good news. For me, one of the things I'm going to do, maybe you want to do it too, I'm going to examine my love. I'm going to take time this week and examine my love for God. Is my love working itself out in obedience? Have I opted to plateau at a certain spot in my walk with God, like thinking, oh, this is good enough? Or am I open that in believing in God and letting that belief in God as I grow in my relationship with God that he wants more fellowship with me? He wants more fellowship with me. And, and will my love, will I take that risk and, and, and let my love for him blossom in even more obedience? Maybe you might do that too. We have a God who loves us and allows us to love him in response. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you indeed are the God who sends your son uh, and father and son that you would send your spirit. And that we don't have to earn anything to be one of your children, but that you do it out of your goodness, out of your blessing, out of your grace. This week, God, may you help us through the the presence of your spirit in your life, through the bringing forward of the very teachings of Jesus, would you convict us where we need to be convicted? Would you encourage us where we need to be encouraged? Would you equip us where we need to be equipped? Would you call us forward? And send us out wherever we need to be called forward and sent out. That God, the fellowship we would have with you would be authentic and full and robust because of your love for us and because we love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.